Welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ed Greer. I'm producer Bill. And today we are talking about werewolves. The greatest depictions of werewolves we've seen, our greatest contributions to werewolf lore, things we haven't seen before we might want to see with werewolves. Just sort of an all-encompassing thing about werewolves because, of course, Werewolf by Night just released their black and white trailer to uh, Much Aplomb at D23. So might as well jump on the train. Yeah, baby. I have been thinking that werewolves have been due for their pop culture spotlight for some time now. And I don't know that Werewolf by Night is going to be the one that kicks that off. I'll just say that. <laughs> well, it should have been Dog Soldiers. As Do- fucking- <laughs> what? <laughs> you are going to get obscure in this episode, and I'm here for it. Educate me, please. Dude, no, I mean, I think that's the title of that weird uh, werewolf movie where basically there's some dudes, they're in the military, and they're out on patrol, and they run into werewolves at like the Scottish countryside or some shit. Okay. It's, it's, it's ill. See, I was thinking it was maybe more. More like Channing Tatum in Jupiter Ascending, just literally a dog and a soldier. <laughs> oh, well, you, while you're bullshitting, I always thought one of the most interesting werewolves in comics specifically Ooh, okay. was uh, Jay Jonas Jameson's kid, dude. Oh, yeah. That's right. They've wow. They have not even touched that in almost any other Spider-Man media. Like I don't even think that happened in uh, the old animated series from the 90s, which had everything in it. I, th- I think they might have done it in there, but you, the fact that you have to reach back that far, it makes the point. You yeah. know what I mean? I remember as a little kid, this will date me, I had the, those little baby kid record players. Yeah, there used to be these things called records. And 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 Please, I, Daddy, tell us more. What about the records? <laughs> the record, These records were small, yeah. And I, <laughs> I put them on my vitriola. <laughs> and I, I, I had a little record, and basically the read-along book was the story of basically – um, J. Jonas Jameson's kid coming back from outer space and he had found like this jewel or something in outer space and put it on a pendant and when he put the pendant on himself it started sinking into his skin and becoming part of him and he really couldn't tell anybody about it because he was freaking out thinking he had space sickness or dimension they wouldn't let him go back to, up to space or whatever mm. so like then the, the the full moon comes up and he and in his his basically uh, his costume was more or less his space jammies mm. like the under layer of like mormon underwear you gotta wear under your space suit uh-huh the magic underwear go on yeah it was like like kind of like a jumpsuit like a cat suit almost but with like so so like, like colossus's costume arms yeah. out like arms out thighs out and uh it was just ill as fuck to see uh jay jonah jameson's kid as this werewolf fighting spider-man and i think in the end spider-man had to dig into his fur and into his chest basically and pull the amulet off of him and get it away from him and get the the whatever lunar radiation scientific reason he was turning into a werewolf off of him and that and he saved j jonah jameson's son but of course jameson was like fuck you you piece right. of shit you ruined my kids you ripped his chest up right. you're a monster and, his, and he refused to believe that his kid was like the cause of all this consternation so yeah dude i mean that was probably the because be- it's science you know me baby a scientific <laughs> werewolf is my jam you know what though i mean that's an interesting point i, I feel like now again is a better time than any in the history of science to actually explore the idea of werewolves because when you have CRISPR gene editing, you know, all you really need to do is have something that can like rearrange your RNA, the expression of your DNA into your body. And next thing you know, you're turning into some sort of chimera, you know, hybrid being. So I, you know, it's a, it's a hop, skip and a jump from where we're actually at, but like it feels more plausible and the closest thing that we've had was that it was more of a Frankenstein riff, um, that movie Splice, where they made the chicken woman who um, like seduced her human scientist father and then tried to kill everybody and blah, blah, blah. But like, again, more of a Frankenstein story than a werewolf story. The werewolf story is always interesting because you have to sort of get it by accident, right? Like it's a curse mm-hmm. or you stumble upon it, et cetera. Yeah, that that is true. Like, it's never. Hey, we were trying to. I did see this uh, movie. It was on Amazon. I got it. Damn it! I want to give it credit, but more or less, the plot of it was a secret agent broke into this place, and I think got infected by 
some sort of thing that basically made them a werewolf with like metal skin or something. <laughs> like, so oh lucky. man, that's not <laughs> the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna have a metal skin werewolf, this is how you do it. Yeah, I, I don't remember what the fuck it was, but like shit like that really makes me think. Like the werewolf concept, according to a lot of people, needs a little juice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just think it's like it, it's it's definitely one of those concepts that's so well worn, and everybody kind of knows the basic story that would go along with it. That I would agree, it does need a little juice. But then most of the people who end up doing it do it in the hackiest way possible. So it's yes. always like we're going to militarize werewolves or we're going to make cyborg werewolves or werewolves are just the uh, the antagonists in your kick-ass vampire movie. You know, mm-hmm. speaking of which, <laughs> the werewolves in What We Do in the Shadows, hilarious. Absolutely yeah. hilarious. Gotta be an honorable mention in the list of greatest werewolves. Oh, uh, yeah, love honorable. Them. No, if it's a top five, they're <laughs> in the top four. Fair and enough. I'm sorry, they're it's an amazing way to depict werewolves because it's like, uh, hey, we werewolves, not swearwolves, you know, that, <laughs> that whole shit. And just the fact that they're like out there and they're the ones that are like, like the vampires being the effete asshole branch of the undead or the or the monstrous mythical beings and the the werewolves being just sort of like hey we go to kick back and drink a couple beers hey eh? and you know they're just like good guys you know that have yes. maybe a little bit of a temper you know so they're like basically wisconsinites or something <laughs> you know what i mean right so i love in the american version in the in the tv show the where the american werewolves are just like asshole bros that are always trying to pick fights, but they're more likely to just pee on stuff than they are to actually fight because essentially it's just dog behavior. Like they're just trying to show yeah. dominance and yeah. they just take that to some hilarious extremes. I, I love that shit. Yeah, I, I love it too. And I, and I think what's interesting about like, if you, I saw this movie and damn it, I'm going to forget it, but look at, look at the, look at it's on Netflix. I think right now it was like a German like a German English production. It was about a lady who was a, uh, a vampire and okay. she was on a plane and, the, and she, she was like, she had like a blood disease that was making her really sick. And I guess it was part of the vampirism eating her away or whatever. And she wasn't really trying to consume blood. I think she was starving and she just had to get her kid out of the country so she could blah, blah, blah. And in the middle of the journey, she turns into a vampire and, and eats somebody and starts this fucked up chain of events of like multiple vampires being on this international flight and mm. her basically ha- her and like having to kind of be a hero for half of the movie being like, ah, fuck, look what I've wrought. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would always think that uh, a, a werewolf joint like that, like you're on an international flight and somebody on there's a fucking werewolf. Yeah. And it's just like that one singular thing. And it, it, he doesn't have time to change everybody into werewolves. So, like, a werewolf on, like, multiple floors of a big international plane, that's that's a movie. You know what I, I mean? I love that. Werewolf in unexpected, confined place. Like, you could yeah. literally transpose that anywhere that fits the bill. I'd watch submarine, that. Submarine, submarine, airplane, <laughs> motherfucking aircraft carrier. The end where you got a top gun and get onto your plane and get the fuck away from the werewolf. Oh, the dude, that would be, see, that would be dope. That's the, that's the military werewolf mashup I want to see. Not where the military is like running secret experiments to, to soldierize werewolves. I want to see a soldier who just happens to be a werewolf in a confined place where he, yeah. now we're fighting on two fronts because we got a werewolf and we've got whatever enemy we're going after. I love that. Uh, the take up of Pelham two one two three with a werewolf. <laughs> Bullet train with a werewolf. You're just stuck on a high speed train with a werewolf, dude. This shit writes itself. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the werewolf to Busan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> dude, I, dude uh, werewolf in space. Space shuttle werewolf. Oh man, yes. Spatial, yeah, because the moon is always full in space. The moon is always full in space. Hell yeah! And you know what's interesting? Fucking uh, uh, werewolves are to bring it back to comics a little bit. Werewolves are so sort of powerful and dope that you know, like Moon Knight comes in and werewolf by night, 
as yeah. an antagonist, kind of hired by like basically private people or whatever to like take out this this werewolf. And then over the course of battle, I guess he realizes that you know uh, uh, Jack Russell, Jack Russell, dude. Uh, yes. <laughs> I hope they keep that for the show, by the way. They, uh, they have to. Jack Russell Terrier. <laughs> so the, the basically that Jack Russell is a uh, is is an honorable guy who has an affliction and needs help more than a monster to be defeated. And then and then he comes back in, in um Moon Knight's comic book as like, damn, I thought we had some equilibrium, Jack Russell, but now now you're you're, the way you look has changed because Sienkiewicz is drawing you. You're, <laughs> you're wilder and more powerful than you were before, and now you're beating me up in my own comic. Uh, th- those Werewolf by Nights, uh, uh, werewolf, were- when Werewolf by Night shows up in the Sienkiewicz run of Moon Knight, classic comics. Very mm. good stuff. It's interesting, too, talking about werewolves drawn by Bill Sienkiewicz. It brings me to you know New Mutants had a werewolf on the team, which then went Mm -hmm. on to become uh, X-Force. X-Factor had a werewolf on the team. (laughs) And if you're counting Beast, so did X-Men. Like, werewolves or werewolf derivatives kind of do have a long history in the superhero as monster archetype. Oh well, yeah, and, and uh, we talked about on our Patreon episode about uh, is the Incredible Hulk the greatest? Uh, he fits right in there. As much as he is Frankenstein, he is a werewolf. He is 100%. something that changes into destructive potential. Can't quite control himself. Has to deal with the aftermath. Wakes up in tattered clothes. Check, 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 check. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's get into a little bit. You are more learned in the ways of the cinematic werewolf than I am, mm. um, but. What are some contenders for you? Or if you want to start, what are some absolute pieces of shit that we should throw on the bonfire immediately? And these are terrible werewolves because that's always fun. You know what? Um, I saw Werewolves Within. Uh, It was uh, recommended highly by some people. I don't know that I liked it all like that, but I did think it was an interesting depiction of a werewolf. Um, Is is this a Netflix special? This this movie? Uh, no, it was like, I think werewolves within was like, it was like one of those, um, maybe turn-based like games. Ah, got it. I'm looking it up right. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. It's based on a video game. Uh, but the movie just came out last year, 2021. Yeah. And, uh, it just has a nice twist on who the werewolf is and the werewolf having just sort of, uh, I think geography really helps or hinders the werewolf concept is what I'll say. Cause in that one, in that one, it was like, there wasn't anywhere to go, you know, and there's woods all around. So the werewolf is hella interesting right there, you know, or like I would, I would tend to think if you were in a roughly abandoned temple area in the fucking Yucatan or whatever the fuck, and there was a werewolf after you, I think that'd be scary as fuck too. You know what I mean? Dude, but that's the thing. I think the werewolf concept has been so centered on like old European forests. It's like people only think about encountering werewolves like in the Slavic hinterlands. Yeah. I definitely think placing a werewolf in like any sort of modern urban setting is automatically kind of laughable. Like it's so anachronistic I don't know how you can even make that cool, uh, but I'm open yeah. to it. You well, know what I mean? No, I, I think that the problem is I think they look too incongruous outside of nature. Yeah. But I think you could make that play for you if they looked, if they were beautiful and looked great. Like as far as depictions, I'd say uh, John Landis's uh, and, uh, and fucking uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, makeup artist. Rick, Rick Baker. Baker. Rick Baker's work on uh, the Thriller video. I love that werewolf design with the long fucking eyebrows and shit. Sort of yeah. almost cat, cat-like. I that think they refer like, to it. They refer to it as like a were cat or even like a were lynx or something. In yeah, that Michael and, Jackson video. Yeah, and that that shit is tight. That's like how uh, uh, Sienkiewicz draws werewolves. Yeah, you know what I mean with this this sort of it's lupine. But like, there's a lot of stray whiskers and shit going, and and they always have like a distinctive haircut <laughs> of, of some well, sort. One hundred percent. I mean, that goes right into Feral and Wolfsbane from X Force yeah. and X Factor. Like, they've got weird geometrically shaped heads that are like the Beast hairdo, but even more bizarre. Um, and as far yeah. as movie, as far as other movie movie werewolves, I'd say I think the uh, the werewolves in that Dog Soldiers movie are pretty well um, 
especially for how cheap they are. Uh, the Howling has a really mm. great transformation sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Classic. You know, and I think the Howling's way of depicting werewolves is, I mean, it stands out amongst the rest because they really treat them as like science, like uh, like cryptids. Yes. Rather than sort of a supernatural character or 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 just some science thing, right in between that sort of missing link esque explanation well, there, for them. Yeah, there there's a sweet spot, right? There's it, it can't just be I'm a magical fairy creature from a wonderland. You know, it can't just be totally inexplicable magic, but then it can't just be like I'm an escaped experiment with spliced genes. Like it, it, this almost gets into our, this almost gets into our mythic storytelling episode where it's like, I think the best version of a werewolf needs some sense of unspoken mystery. Like it does live at that juncture between, you know, mysticism and science gone wrong. If werewolves were real and they were magic, could we still gene splice them? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> now you're asking the real questions. This is well, I'm going to do you one better cuz here's here's some of what I've thought about werewolves. I have long thought and this gets into the howling a little bit too. I have long thought that there is so much missing potential for really weird body horror with werewolves. Mm-hmm. And I think the obvious is the human turning into the wolf, right? You know, your bones snap and rearrange and the hair grows weird and your body contorts mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. But then think about, from a scientific standpoint, changing back into a human from a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Like, that's always the thing that happens off camera. You know, it's like you pass out and you fall off frame and then we cut to a shot and you're, you know, basically human again, maybe with some extra hair and you're on the ground. But, like, you would essentially need to shed yourself bald because how is your body going to know, well, keep this hair on the top of the head, but get rid of all the other hair that you've grown. To me, it's like <laughs> you have to go straight alopecia. You shed, you shed yourself bald. <laughs> you're, at this point, like now you have all this extra mass and like, and, and skin stretching that's happened. Now it's like you go back to your normal size. You're going to have weird, gnarly stretch marks and loose skin. Like your bones might not rearrange correctly. Like mm-hmm. the aftermath of being a werewolf should be horrific. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like to the yeah. point where the audience feels like I don't want this person to ever have to go through that shit again because it is so like physically and emotionally taxing. And and I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie and it feels like it's just ripe to be happening. And it seems like it's perfect um timing for a movie like you get you get one transformation maybe of another werewolf and so we can see what we're dealing with. We get another in the fun and game section of the movie where it's like he he does it, blah, blah. But then we get that one last one. Or maybe we get two more. We get one where he's trying to transform for a long time. It gets fucked up in mid-transformation. Like, mm. what, what? nobody ever rolls up on a mid-transformation and just starts shooting their ass with silver bullets and shit. Totally. <laughs> because totally. It, it, it being that taxing and that long. People like, oh man, we're probably writing another screenplay, Bill. I know we're coming up, we're coming up with it right now. No, but I'm serious. It's like, you know, I, that's the thing that I think is interesting about that that intersection of science and mysticism with werewolves is that we've seen movies play with some of the body horror of like, man, it would be awful to transform into a werewolf, but still they're just kind of treating it magically. Like, yeah, you you know, your skin stretches and your bones crack and then a bunch of other shit happens and now you're a wolf and that's the point. And then when you're done being a wolf, you go back to a guy because that's the point. But to me, I'm like the in-between parts. There's so much to the in-between parts. Um, and I don't know if that's the solution to making werewolves relevant, but it's certainly an <laughs> underexplored piece of it. But I do like your question of even if it's magical, could you still gene splice them? And I would like to think that if it were magical, it would still have to rearrange your DNA in some way, right? Like at that point, it's just magic, you know, rearranging your DNA as opposed to like pre-programmed gene editors. That's how it would work. I mean, the the funny thing is the science, you're talking about CRISPR and and all these different things we can do. I remember uh, when I first got to California fucking years and years ago, uh, my roommates had a bet with each other that by like 20, I think it was by 2030, 
that you could eat a steak made by nano machines. Mm. Like and we would call it just nano steak. And more or less right now you can do that. You can, yeah. you can make you can they they took proteins and weaved them together and did some bullshit and made meat. It's going to cost you a lot, but you could do it and they'll 3D print it for you. I was just going to say I think 3D printed meat will be on the market by 2030. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, it's it's so funny how the stuff that we thought was just science fiction. And we, we thought being annoyed by your girlfriend from miles away while you were out <laughs> and about was of science fiction. And now we have it in our pockets every day. I'm just joking, sort of. Um, so, <laughs> so basically, uh, what werewolves, I think, are one of these things where I don't I think they look stupid in the modern age because we can't the people who imagined them imagined, you know, what is in the forest? What are those eyes in the night? Yes. It's it's a concept that is really born of the Dark Ages. I mean, I think that's where you can trace a lot of this mythology back to. And it's really born from a time when the woods were scary, when the woods were the ultimate unknown, where all any number of evil, monstrous, inhuman things could be lurking that you have no hope of fighting or overcoming in any way. Like werewolves come from, they were the eldritch horror of their day, right? Mm -hmm. The werewolf myth started when cosmic horror were the eyes that you could not identify in the shadows of the woods. And so maybe that's another thing that a lot of these modern interpretations are missing is this idea of the werewolf as this really, you know, vast and unknowable awfulness. You know, it's not just the equivalent of getting a bad disease. It's the equivalent of, you know, touching the face of Satan or whatever you want to call it. It's, mm. it's, it's a big thing. To that point, going back to specific media, there was a movie made in 2001 called Brotherhood of the Wolf. It's a French movie. I want to say Monica Bellucci had a had a small um, role in it, and I know that Vincent Cassell was in it, but neither one of them was the headliner. Does uh, is Mark DeCascos in that? Yes, Mark DeCascos is in it as well. So this movie, um, I don't remember the particulars because I think it has probably been since the early two thousands that I've seen it. But I remember just from like an aesthetic and storytelling standpoint, it knocked me on my ass, and it was very firmly set in like the the seventeen hundreds. You know, it was set in the French countryside in pre-industrial ages and a werewolf was terrorizing a town. And I think it's actually based on a purportedly true story. Again, it's a it's a folktale from before we were, you know, had ways to verify any of this stuff. What's the mythic origin of it in regards to like, I mean, I know that there's whatever folklore and there's this guy got bit by whatever. But like, what's it trying to say? I think part of it is it's about we're better than nature. This thing happens to you and drags you down into nature and in the unknowable, unfathomable, animalistic parts of nature. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, I think there's two things happening there. I think number one, it's a commentary on sort of the bestial internal nature of man, you know, which is a, a classic storytelling trope that no matter our best pretenses towards civilization, Deep down, we are all beasts. And in these stories, you encounter something that dredges that horrible part of you that you don't want to acknowledge up to the surface. But I do think the other part of it is that fear of the unknown, that fear of, you know, especially in an increasingly developed civilization with increasing comfort, you start to take your your comforts and your safety for granted. And so it's a little bit of a reminder that, like, no, nature could still reach out and grab you and destroy your life and turn you into something horrible, despite who you might be, despite your best efforts, what have you. Huh. Like, why isn't that, uh, as you say, grokking with modern people? Mm. You know what I mean? Why isn't that thing, you know, because even even in the, you know, uh, Werewolves Within – the werewolf was quite a simple organism. It it wanted to do what it wanted to do, but it was it it had human in its human guise. It was smart enough to manipulate situations to where it could get a lot of food for its werewolf guys, which was interesting. Although they didn't do too much, you know, 
interplay because it was a mystery as to who which character was the werewolf. But I think uh, I'd love I would love to see a, a sequel or something or, or some other exploration of the idea where it's like, yeah, what if you as your your human counterpart is just like, yep, I'm gonna get mighty hungry. Better go up into these Appalachian woods where these like jerks who like are mean to the reservation natives and stuff are. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I can just kind of go nuts up there. You yeah. Know what I mean? like, yeah, 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 yeah. Try, trying to be a good guy about all these motherfuckers you're about to kill. And also making sure that you have something to eat because like what if it was like only your food that you eat as a werewolf counts? Like you could eat all day, like hot dogs <laughs> and hamburgers and shit. <laughs> and it would never sate you at all. Like you, you, your body would function or whatever, but you feel the inevitable hunger, especially as the werewolf season comes on. Yeah. You have to eat stuff as a werewolf. You don't get the choice to just lock yourself up. Right. Right. And that was right. another thing about the thing you lock yourself up so much. Well, if you lock yourself up, then you're fine. It never yeah. worked in the movies, but right. if it has the potential to work, but no, you can't lock yourself up because the feeding is part of it. And I think that's what makes them less interesting than vampires mm. is that thing I just said and why vampires always get everybody. They love vampires because the vampire really is. It is. They're both fighting their, their natures, but vampires have a sexier fight with it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And I, but I also think that, you know, part of the werewolf reverting into a beast means that it becomes less of a character. It becomes less of a, a personality yeah. that you can relate to in any way. Whereas a vampire, you know, you retain your reason, you retain your human appearance. And so it just, it's easier to portray that struggle as being something right there on the surface. Um, but again, that's why I think if you really get into the in-between moments of transformation from human to werewolf or werewolf back to human, you could get some of that same flavor that you like to get from vampires about what is this thing that I have become, you know? Well, oh, and I, oh, you're talking about okay uh, depictions of werewolves. This would never make anybody's top ones, okay? okay? Because it's kind of crazy that it's one of my top ones. But we talk about my motherfucking life, in my opinion, and I think Wolf with Jack Nicholson, dude, is up there, dude. <laughs> I really do. I can't argue that shit. I liked the subtle makeup effects, and I think because it speaks to what we're talking about here, which is probably why you brought it up. Where, you know, it was more Lon Chaney than it was American Werewolf in Paris or The Howling or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like, at a time when werewolves had gone full crazy movie monster, that movie brought it back a little bit and really retained, like, no, this is essentially just a deformed man. And that made it a little bit more. And, and his struggle with, like the slow creep of everything that he was stronger, but now he had this hunger and then he couldn't control his temper. And then the hair started growing slowly. And it's like, what's happening to me? I guess that one does sort of get into the idea of like a slow, awful transformation. And low key, it was an inspiration for uh, the movie I'm writing, bro. I, oh. I just put it together because like, think about middle-aged man going, get gets infected, goes through this sort of, uh, uh, ex, you know, experience of, is this real? Is this not got to hide it from people eventually is found out has a big climatic battle. Yeah. But this, then this one, my, my guy's a villain and, and this one, he's a hero, but like, I didn't put it together till just now. That's fucking crazy. That movie's in my mind. Love that. It's, we're, we're identifying our own uh, inspirations here, dude. I, and I love the fact that it's like, you get to see him before, not at his best. Probably low testosterone, brother. Hadn't ate an elk steak in a long time, brother. Sure. You, know, uh, you, you meet him as this sort of like older than middle-aged man and feeling every second of it. And then just the, 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 the revision of his genes through the werewolf potion and the, he get, he gets, he gets younger before your eyes. He gets more virile in all yeah. ways before your eyes. He, he starts doing uh, territory marking behavior. He starts becoming a wolf. And that wolf is a, it, the primal nature of man. Like we're talking about inside. We're all beasts uh, to, from a certain point of view. He that's, really was embracing that. That's interesting too, because that really is sort of a, they call them genie out of the bottle stories where you get the thing that you were wishing for, but it comes with a terrible price, which is usually not the werewolf narrative. But that idea, it is an interesting take. Like, I'm over the hill. I'm feeling shitty. I don't like who I am. And now I get bit by the werewolf. And the first thing it does is it makes me virile again. It revitalizes me. I get to feel the way I want to feel. 
but it doesn't stop there and then it keeps going like that's interesting yeah it goes way past the fun and games as uh as uh blake snyder used to say yeah uh so basically, uh, okay, I have a question for you in regards to werewolves. Please. If you were going to do the sweet spot between science and and uh, and myth, how far is too far? How far is too far into myth for you? How far is too far into science for you? Uh, basically, you've identified if there's any sort of lab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think... I and and I hadn't really thought about this until I just said it, but I think embracing that sort of Lovecraftian bent to the werewolf is important for me. That like mm. the source of this curse or whatever it is needs to be something somewhat unknowable. Like I I don't want my werewolf movie to get mired in the plot mechanics of how to be or not be a werewolf. You know what I mean? Uh, and I don't know that I'm down with as simple an explanation as I got bit by a random wolf in the woods or, you know, uh, a, a Romani woman hexed me. You know, I, I don't I don't know that that works for me, but something about that works for me better than there was a super secret government lab trying to splice human DNA and werewolf DNA. And, you know, one of the subjects escaped. I don't, that just doesn't, that doesn't ring my bell. I I tend more toward the mysticism of it. I think what might actually be interesting too is the werewolf myth is so nebulous. Like even in folklore, it's a little bit unclear. Like what turns you into a werewolf? Is there a curse? Is it any wolf that bites you? Is it a particular wolf? Was that wolf cursed? Is it a demon? As Because I think that that's part of it, too, is like encountering demons in the form of animals is, was what might turn you into a werewolf. I almost want to say some kind of werewolf-esque other myths might be better starting points, like skinwalkers. Um mm-hmm. You know, and and God knows we don't need to be uh, bastardizing more American Indian folklore. But like, I've always been fascinated by the concept of skinwalkers. This is what I always understood them to be. But again, maybe this is nebulous. They're they're disembodied animal spirits um, that can take possession of like weak or or you know essentially like depressed or rageful or otherwise kind of weak human beings and you essentially become like a were coyote but it's it's like this this essentially demon animus like inhabiting your body Um, yeah see i like that i like i like werewolf as a metaphor for almost possession type mm. of thing like you're talking about yeah way better than any of the scientific stuff now if i was writing it i would make it scientific and i would just deal with the fact that i was bored by it but i refuse to engage in magic it's because i'm a fucking idiot i mean it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a thing that's wrong with my screenplay right now dude the science is bogging it down dude i gotta find a way simpler way to do the science um and that's what the major revision is right now but um i like this this sort of possession jazz because it's like it, I think you get your body horror on too, right? Right. The, the thing comes into you and possesses you, and it's stretching your body out into its lupine needs, right? So, like, your skin is splitting at certain areas, tufts of fur are popping out, but it doesn't quite get done, which is why you're half. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, you got like tufts of fur out of your burst skin. And and like bones of a larger creature than you coming out, and they're like unto claws. You know what I mean? And it's yes. just like you're all fucked up looking. Like, oh man. No, I that love that. Brutal. And I also think within the scope of werewolf stories, kind of having to be in like a rural, agrarian, foresty, or non-industrial setting, taking it outside of just like the woods of Maine or the woods of Romania or, you know, the woods of France and putting it somewhere like, you know, the Mexican desert or the Russian um, uh, Siberia or, you know, put it in Egypt and do it. So you're aware jackal and somehow it connects to Egyptian ancient mythology. Like 
take take your werewolfism and put it in some new setting so that it's not just generic woodlands. I think that could yeah. be dope too. Yeah, dude. No, I I really what was that um Rutger Hauer movie? He was like a knight and uh Lady Hawk. Lady Hawk, yes. Lady Hawk is one of my favorite depictions of a werewolf ever because it's like he had to turn into a wolf. I think what was it? Every day he turns into a wolf, and every night his woman turned into oh, during the day, during the night he was a werewolf, and during the day he was a knight, and his lady during the day was a hawk, and during the night was a lady. So the lady would be kicking it with the wolf, and the guy would be kicking it with this bird, and they had this beautiful bond. It was because they were cursed lovers who couldn't. My man, that's some hot shit. If I wish they would, I honestly wish they might remake something like that, but just do it the exact same. (laughs) <laughs> uh no i it, that's a timeless movie i don't think you could ever remake that the the weird sort of evangelist i don't even remember electronic type of score yeah for a medieval movie it was wasn't just that it's directed by time. wasn't that directed by richard donner i, I think, think it yes. was yes it was yeah yes, it was um yeah, my uh, my late friend Jeff, who passed away a few years ago, that was like his favorite movie of all time, and he was my longtime editor. We worked together a lot, and um, I just I, that movie always just makes me think of him because he just was such an evangelist for it, and I had never even heard of it before he brought it to my attention. And one night he got me to sit down and watch it with him, and he was like the whole. It was one of those things where like the whole time he was watching me as I was watching the movie, <laughs> and like, and you know me like the thing I'm least interested in the world in is like medieval fantasy settings. Yeah. And this movie got me, dude. Like it, it won me over. So I'm with you on that one, dude. It's, I, I think it's one of the better werewolf depictions because I was thinking, uh, there were there in, in certain areas of the folklore folklore of werewolves is, uh, wolf riders and mm. wolf possessors and shit like that. You know, people who, you know, uh, my mom used to tell these apocryphal stories of like uh, her mom and grandmother saying that like at night the witches would come and ride the horses, and you could tell because their manes would be braided into like uh, into like reins. Interesting, you know what I mean? Yeah, and and different shit like that. So it's like okay, so you go out in the woods and you become some sort of nymph that's like so at home in the woods that the wolf people like accept you or whatever. That's like some kind of probably metaphor for miscegenation of some, mm-hmm. of some stripe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, oh, I, you accuse a woman of being a wolf rider. She's out out in the, in the you know what I mean? Yeah, there's, I see that. There's, there's that sort of uh, thing to it. And I think uh, that's what um, Lady Hawk makes you think of, just a sort of thing of, like, you're cursed. Like, there's a there may be a man that you could commune with, but he only exists in the daytime. So you're doomed to like ride this wolf at night and, and have this weird, weird magical companionship with the wolf. Uh, not any other type of companionship, magical companionship <laughs> uh-huh. with, with, with the wolf. There's gotta be some, that's, I mean, Oh, and another one I'm dating myself all over the place, but as a kid, I was really into like um, collecting like old videotapes of like canceled shows, like early 80s stuff that I wasn't quite old enough to have seen and understood even if I was alive. So like I would fucking uh, get like Manimal. Oh, dude. dude. Yes. But see, that's that's a great example of what I'm talking about with like taking the werewolf concept and just turning it into something totally different. Like that Mm -hmm. shit's, you know, it's cheesy as hell. But like conceptually, that shit's hot, dude. Conceptually, Manimal is the motherfucking shit. Absolutely, you totally do a, a modern, cool reboot of that. And I think shit like that's going to be the answer to the superhero. Whoever is out there and has the rights to Manimal, hold on to them shits. I know it seems dire, and you're getting that <laughs> fi- that finish three o'clock in the morning money right now solely because nobody gives a fuck here. But I'm telling you, Simon McCorkendale. The guy who played the fucking the yes. fucking guy, that motherfucker, and his and the appeal of that show, there's something to it. Just stick it out in Mission Impossible. I think that motherfucker is gonna get a Mission Impossible circa twenty fucking twenty eight, and people are gonna act like they didn't see it coming. We saw it coming. I, you heard it here first, people. Write it down. Put it on the board because I I I do agree with that. 
Because, dude, I mean, like, like you just said, it's it's such a way to turn it on its ear. It's a guy who can, like, through meditation and practices he learned. Uh, I guess it was Africanism. If we're going to call things Orientalism, mm-hmm. I think we call that one Africanism or maybe South Americanism. I don't know. He was somewhere out in the world and learned some breathing techniques that make a motherfucker go back to your weird inside phenotypes of a million years ago and become a bird or a fucking uh, panther or whatever. So, sure. So, it, in different situations, he would get in trouble in a plane, and he wouldn't turn into a panther dummy. He would turn into a bird, yep. and then he would get he'd be in a warehouse skulking and stalking dudes who were trying to hurt him. He would turn into a panther, shit like that. And I just love that as like a concept. This this guy who can select animals to turn into, but like we were talking about, it is an arduous process. So he has to like. Just like the Hulk, I guess he has to get thrown behind some shit and get some privacy before he turns. You know, what I mean? dude. I, all I'm hearing right now is that we are creating like the dark body horror version of Manimal for the 21st century. Like that's <gasps> you pull all these threads together. That's the dark mythic quasi Lovecraftian Manimal. That's what we're talking about here. <laughs> Dude, we we got it. We got to talk to the person who owns the rights. We, we oh. got to talk to him. like Manimal. It's prime to come back, baby. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Okay, so I ha- we would be remiss if we let this conversation go on without mentioning a franchise that has done everything you're attributing to Manimal. Right? Like it was hot back in the day. It was a weird twist on the werewolf mythology. And then they brought it back for a seriouser, a more serious version in the modern era, and it was twice as hot. And that, my friend, is Teen Wolf. Oh, shit. Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. And look, the Michael J. Fox slash Jason Bateman 80s franchise um, (laughs) is great. It's kitschy as hell. It's, you know, not serious in any way. But as far as like 80s teen comedies with Michael J. Fox, you know, you you can't you can do better, but only barely. There's not a lot you can do better with 80s teen comedies with Michael J. Fox. What I'm interested in, though, and I don't know how aware of this you are, that MTV revival of Teen Wolf was a goddamn cultural touchstone. Like people yes. fucking loved that show. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's that generation's like almost like 90210 or some shit. Yeah, like it was the, it was that big with a certain uh, set of like tweens and teens who were just like, yeah, this speaks to me. And and it was uh, I think it was emblematic of the fact that kids that age would need a gritty version because we've become such I don't want to say assholes. I don't want to say sticklers for reality because a lot of us aren't that much of an asshole and a lot of us aren't definitely aren't sticklers for fucking reality. But sure. definitely that like so-called sophisticated nature of the modern kid needed for you to deal with the realities of high school you know which isn't necessarily physical bullies uh or or, you know just very simple prejudice there's all sorts of stuff there's tribalism the internet reputation there's all these different things that existed before but are amplified through the social media and blah blah so like yeah that kind of realistic grittier take was necessary but i'll tell you i like me a nice uh Teen Wolf using his skills to find homeboys weed. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love shit like that. I mean, honestly, like you could not do a more era perfect rebuild of the of the wolf werewolf mythology than that Michael J. Fox Teen Wolf. I mean that that was a great exercise in taking like all the tropes that people know and just applying them to a totally different tone in a totally different setting with totally different results. And I think it was funny as hell. Dude, what I loved about it was the, it's corny, but due to the fact that they didn't have as many disadvantages, like once he, once people found out he was a wolf, they were okay with it. After a little while, they actually started to uh, 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 appreciate him more than ever. You know what it's like? Mm. Fucking She-Hulk. Teen Wolf is like She-Hulk. I don't want to transform. I just want to be myself. I just need to do everything as myself because that's the real me. And you guys start loving the Teen Wolf. All right, I'll give over to everybody loving the Teen Wolf because everybody loves the Teen Wolf. And I am the Teen Wolf. But no, 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 no. Fuck. I have to realize in the last moment that I really am Jennifer Walters, that I really am whatever the fuck, Michael J. Fox. Sure. I'll shoot the last free throws. I'll do the last play. I'll play the last game as myself. 
and I won't let the wolf and will still win because I'm good enough without with or without my wolf powers. And I have to prove it to myself. You know, there's going to be some section of the She-Hulk series if they're playing their cards right, where she can't transform or she transforms. It'll bust out her space suit and kill her or something, something where she has to do something against Jennifer Walters to prove that Jennifer Walters is good enough. If they don't do that, they're fucking up. Agreed. And the the parallels might not be a total coincidence because the co-writer of Teen Wolf, none other than comic book writer extraordinaire Jeff Loeb. Huh. That was one of his early works. He wrote the screenplay for Teen Wolf. Kind of interesting. So that's back when his uh, he wrote Teen Wolf. He wrote Commando. Yeah. Like that before the Stephen E. D'Souza rewrite. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's okay. it's. And for you, listener, if you don't know the name Jeff Loeb, uh, probably his most famous storylines, he wrote Batman The Long Halloween in the comics. He wrote Superman For All Seasons. He wrote Batman Hush with art by Jim Lee. Um, He wrote the first arcs of of Batman Superman once they put them back together in their own combined title. Like this dude was the it comic book writer uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, and now is the head of Marvel TV. So Jeff Loeb um, definitely has superhero bona fides, and you see that influence in a project like Teen Wolf. That's super sick. Well, that, that gives me hope. That uh, a guy who was writing in Commando is now so f- at least at one point got so high into uh, Marvel television, you know what I mean? This is like yeah. I mean, the stuff that was that's being made by even during the the, the Netflix era uh, that he was I think even more heavily involved in. The stuff that was in that era would be undreamed of, you know? Oh, what I mean? totally. Which, which is why you know what nobody's ever talked about this, but this is a, this is a side. I think the reason why eighties action heroes were such superheroes was because they couldn't do superheroes oh yeah agreed you know agreed i also think it's interesting and this is a total aside from the werewolf conversation but i also think it's interesting you look at a guy like jeff Loeb. you know he wasn't a bad writer back when he was writing commando and the michael j fox teen wolf it's just that's what the market wanted at the time, or that's what mm-hmm. the market thought you as the audience wanted at the time. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's not that he wrote those things at that time, and then by the time they're making Daredevil, he, you know, has completely changed his sensibilities as a creator. It's more just like, no, you have to fit whatever's going on in the market at the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It has nothing to do with werewolves, but it's an interesting just well, an interesting I mean, example of how Hollywood works. Well, to bring it back to the team of conversation, the, the the market was bearing like more of a grittier take. And so right now, what would the market bear? Because yeah. because I think we're past the like you said, uh, the the scrappy, um, the scrappy antagonist of vampires. We've seen both versions and in, in what we do in the shadows uh, of like. The, in the in the documentary version slash movie version, they were nice sort of um, uh, chill, you know, chill a, dudes. Yeah, chill, chill New Zealander dudes. In uh, in the American version, they're more frat boys, and they just you know uh, snuff after each other and then chase frisbees off roofs and shit. <laughs> <That's> so funny. <laughs> um, so so like okay, post that. Yeah, what is acceptable? Because, like I said, unless they're going to do our super dope pitches of werewolf mm. on aircraft carrier, werewolf mm. on submarine, or werewolf on, on Indeed. plane. Indeed. <laughs> By the way, all situations that Manimal can and should find himself oh, in. Dude, I'm telling you, man. Oh, dude, if the I, if I ever find out the person who actually gets to do Manimal listens to our podcast, <laughs> oh, we're going to sue the bejesus out of them. Oh, we're going to sue them into oblivion. <laughs> so, so. Uh, uh, Along those lines, please leave us a five-star review <laughs> to show that you've listened to our podcast so you don't, can't steal our screenplay ideas. No, but we, we, Sign we, it we, with we, your we, real name, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, we're going to sue Astro City 6969. Exactly. No, but okay, so to take your question seriously, you know, I think the thing about that Teen Wolf reboot is it came on the heels of the Twilight popularity, the boom in Twilight uh, popularity. And it sort of did the thing that the OC did, you know, 10 years prior where it was the thing it was parodying. Like it, it essentially was a soapy CW style show, but at the same time it was like very self-aware and kind of poked fun at, at its own tropes as both the soapy CW show and a werewolf drama. 
uh, while embracing all the tropes at the same time, which I always think like in the modern era is kind of how you end up reviving things for better or for worse. It's like, how can we do this as a post ironic love letter to the original thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder if there is sort of a, like a stoned Seth Rogen, Danny McBride version of the Lon Chaney Wolfman that the market has yet to give us. You know what I mean? Ah, yeah. Some sort of like it's, it's, it kind of, maybe it can start out body horror and really kind of scary. And by the end of it, he's ducking a basketball. (laughs) Well, no, I was, I mean, I was thinking, and God, we might be past this cultural moment too, but I was thinking more along the lines of like, schlubby loser becomes werewolf it fucks up his life even worse but in so doing it also inspires him to like learn how to get his shit together and you know in so doing he rediscovers his self-respect as he has to get out of being a werewolf um and not to be cynical but maybe we're in the era where you make that relevant again by just making it a woman as the main character as opposed to a schlubby man so maybe it's more of a vehicle you know, do you do do you essentially do the Jack Nicholson wolf, but you make the main character Sandra Bullock? And so she's uh, sort of like an aging woman who's feeling really shitty about herself. And then becoming a werewolf makes her hot and sexy, but it also turns her into something she doesn't want to be. But in the process, she rediscovers her, you know, her groove and gets her gets her confidence back. Something like that. Uh, dude, it's uh, it's called hot bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like to- totally uh totally ironically and, and taking the power back and all that shit but yeah yeah <laughs> dude you're missing there's a really obvious fox pun in there that i i'm not smart enough to make but you're missing it and i just need to point that out <laughs> oh shit oh, oh. Dude, yeah about a, a where fox is it's like foxy mama that's exactly exactly yeah. dude foxy oh. Bra- you're, you mean you remake foxy brown but foxy brown is a where fox that's the that's the movie yeah. oh man I, I i think foxy brown well okay you know what let's okay let's do one one new black exploitation to call it Foxy Brown <laughs> to make her a werewolf. Fine. We gotta, Fox, we gotta do Foxy Mama as the as the fucking um as the as the uh the four quadrant one. Like, yes. Oh, what what's a mom supposed to do? Oh, late at night she gets bit by a werewolf and she, she comes back home and gets like, "Mommy, you're furry. I haven't shaved my legs." Do do do. And they can, you, know, you can see the trailer, right? You know you Dude, can see the trailer. Holy shit! You know what I you know what I just thought of as you were describing that. We're missing the most recent big budget werewolf movie is Pixar's Turning Red. Oh shit! Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's straight up a werewolf movie. Yeah, I can't give that short shrift. Yes, yes, yes. That and you know what? I think that's it's probably talking to all the things that we just said. Uh, female protagonist, yeah, uh, dealing with uh, uh, coming of age that isn't all like uh, uh, sweetness and light, you know what yep. I mean? And, and isn't it isn't hella neutered either, you know? There is a little sexuality talk in there, just a little, you know. By the way, and, good uh, pun with the word neutered. I like that. <laughs> yep. What's the name of that thing? Don't want to spay these ideas. <laughs> um, yes. But, yeah, dude. I, I, you're right. That that is that is a uh, uh, modern werewolf tale with modern sensibilities as far as like embracing you know uh you, you in that you have to embrace what you are right. to get your true power you know right uh, which is it, it, it is it isn't so much obviously you're going to reject it a little bit because that's part of the fun and games but you have to you know accept who you are in order to get your full power i mean by the way along those same lines pixar's luca could also be described as a werewolf story it's just there's you know, they're mermen, but they turn into humans. So sort of mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm caught between two worlds. I have to pretend to be something and hope I don't get found out, blah, blah, blah. Like that mm-hmm. also applies. Pixar on a werewolf streak right now. Low key. <laughs> well, okay. So, so rounding out here about uh, what is it about werewolves? Do you think that have made them stand the test of time? Because I just think I looked at, I briefly looked at the supernatural uh, uh, breakdown supernatural meaning the CW show that Ron loves. I, oh. I need him to have some representation on this podcast. I looked at the, but then I started reading all the lore, and I was just like, you know what? 
nope, <laughs> I can't uh, do it. I, I don't care. But they, they seem to have different houses of werewolves and different. I can't functions. do any of that shit. I know yeah, that there's people who love all that shit in their fiction. I can't. I can't do that. Like I can't do it. You can do anything for love, <laughs> but I won't do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. Meatloaf. R.I.P. His name uh, is Robert Paulson. <laughs> his name is Robert Paulson. Uh, oh, Bob shit. had bitch tits. Okay, so <laughs> so I I think to answer your question, maybe some people like it because it just adds to this incredibly complicated scaffolding of fairy creature lore and if that's you more power to you but i think the reason that werewolves continue to be a pop culture touchstone in so many different forms is ultimately because it's a metaphor for transformation you know there's all that stuff about you know the darkness of your soul or the unknowableness of nature but like you see in we just talked about several comedies between teen wolf luca and turning red you know even when it's not being plumbed for horror, the werewolf concept still speaks to the human discomfort, fear of, difficulty with transformations. And for better or for worse, we all go through an uncountable number of transformations in our life, from the ones that everybody goes through, like puberty, you know, deaths of loved ones, to things that are incredibly specific to your culture or your circumstances. It's like change is life. And so when you have a creature that is literally built on the premise of your life being horribly and irrevocably changed, that's going to be relevant for as long as people are living. Beautifully stated. I also think there's this thing about uh, you're not always going to change in the way that you would like to. I think Great there point. might be some sort of a metaphor. There's definitely a metaphor for aging. I'm noticing hair popping out all over my body. <laughs> <laughs> for real, dude. For real. <laughs> It's just I, like, I, I, I yeah. had a motherfucking hair on the top of my ear, like the outside of my ear, not even the inside where old men get the ears. It was on the top of my ear growing out, and it seemed as long as the ones that Michael Jackson had in the Thriller video. Oh. Like just as far as like like a whisker coming out of the top of my fucking ear. Sometimes I catch my I catch my uh, uh, eyebrows getting nuts too. Like I'm all great Scott. <laughs> 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 dude i got these moles on my back and like the the speed at which the hairs grow out of those fucking moles it's just <laughs> i mean just to commiserate with your michael jackson werewolf hair problem it's the worst <laughs> oh so so basically um in the end i i'd say if we were gonna make a big uh checklist of of the modern werewolf thing I think, yeah, a little bit of so-called Lovecraftian. I wish there was somebody not racist that wrote super, I know. super good horror. <laughs> I mean, but, we could but, say, yeah. and you right. can't just say Eldritch if you don't Eldritch, want to say Lovecraftian. Yeah, Eldritch horror, yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, uh, uh, this this realm of Eldritch horror needs to be in there because if it's knowable, like, oh, well, we just got a wolf genome, it makes mm. it too solvable. We need like, and I think in the end, I think there still have to be some sort of like supernatural, even if in the movie you, God forbid, told about the scientific nature of why echinacea drives away werewolves or whatever the fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if you did that, uh, it would be, I'm just saying that in order to resolve the werewolf problem, I think. I think they do make better antagonists than protagonists, although that's belied by the last few years of success. It seems like we really love to watch them be the protagonist. And back in the days, we, we needed them. They were so implacable. We wanted them to be the antagonist all the time. Mm. I think that's almost flipped. So I, mm. I think the new modern thing would have the werewolf be the protagonist. It would have there not be very much science to it. It would have elder stuff. And I think in the end, they would also have to strike a tone between how funny it is that you're a werewolf and shit and people don't believe in that and how dire it is that it's a curse. But I think in the end you wouldn't get cured of it because I don't think the modern mind wants to see that. They want to see you live with whatever you have. Right. You have to, you have to make peace with it, not, mm -hmm. you know, expunge it from yourself, which yeah. may, I don't know if that's more satisfying or not. I just think culturally that's where we are in the moment. You know, there's so much of, of modern psychology is about acceptance and so much of modern storytelling is about reflecting that, that it might be more satisfying just from a pure 
wish fulfillment entertainment standpoint to be able to get rid of it and live happily ever after. But I don't think that's the, the kind of story we're telling anymore. And honestly, this comes all the way back to Manimal. The best way to live with it and move forward is train yourself using enhanced breathing techniques to harness the power to do good on your mission across the world. Manimal. Fuck. Fuck. Yes, dude, I'm telling you, we need to hop off here and do that fucking screenplay because I'm telling you, it's a million dollar idea. <laughs> millions and millions of dollars. I, I do really, I really do want to see who has the rights to Manimal because, like, I, I was being pretty true earlier. I think from what the last I heard, it's on, you can get it on DVDs that are like region. Norwegia <laughs> type, type, type <laughs> shit. and that's like the only way you can really get it it's not like on shout factory or something simple like American shit and when you go on the internet and try to watch minimal episodes they're like always in Spanish or some shit like it's like, it's like hard so I, I want to find out you know what the right situation is so we can see who we got to blow because uh gotta <laughs> get to it I'm gonna is that the uh, one primetime drama of the 80s that wasn't created by Stephen J Cannell I mean really <laughs> Wild shit, wild shit. <laughs> Dude, well, in closing, I think um, werewolves, uh, in the end, I would love to see werewolves uh, just tackle different things. I want to talk about one last werewolf thing where I think its failure is instructive. The Benicio Del Toro Oof. werewolf movie that just that came out, well, it came and went very fast. It had Anthony Hopkins in it, Benicio Del Toro. Probably some women actors who I'm forgetting because guys are assholes. Sure. Um, uh, but uh, it it was crazy how gnarly it was without being actually scary on any level. Like people so, were getting fucked up in it. People were getting their heads like ripped off and their arms ripped. Up. Their arms would be falling and flailing in the in the in the air after his swipes and shit. Like he was doing some brutal damage, and it just. There was something not scary about it. I don't, I don't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah, I, I never saw that movie, but I remember like on paper, it seemed to be doing all the right stuff. Like mm-hmm. amazing cast, um, period setting, appropriate mm-hmm. to making the werewolf scary, you know, mm-hmm. seemed to be the right tone based on what you're saying with the level of like evisceration. That's a tone that feels like it would work. But then I remember it like it was excoriated. People hated this movie. And I know a part of it wasn't it like there was like a lot of CGI wolf in there. Uh, it was it was weird because like <clears throat> from my recollection, I don't know. I think the werewolves <clears throat> get to fighting in the end. There's like a werewolf that pops up and gets to fighting with uh, Benicio del Toro's werewolf for like, I guess, werewolf supremacy and revenge and shit. Just sort of this erstwhile action movie for a while that mm. felt incongruous with the previous stuff and like i said i, I think i might want to give it um give it a watch again to see if if maybe it just was the wrong thing for that time you yeah, know what i mean sometimes things come out out of time and they're they're done with an aesthetic that we're not into at that moment and then five years later somebody does some goofy neo-western and it's just like well, what the fuck i just missed it yeah you just missed it bud well i do think though that trying to put the werewolf gore on the victims as opposed to on the person turning into the werewolf is a little bit of a swing and a whiff. Like Uh. I think the most like grotesque and visceral stuff needs to happen to your protagonist in order to make that werewolf horror hit as hard as it could. And maybe that maybe I'm off base, but my intuition says that that is a big part of it. And I don't know how that movie handled the transformations or everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it is one of these things where overall the werewolf has staying power. We talked about our favorite depictions. Uh, if we miss some, you can go ahead and uh, write a five star review and tell us which ones we missed. <laughs> or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod. And, and uh, you can contribute to uh, to our cause there. You can also talk to us there directly through direct messaging and stuff. Uh, and uh, follow us at, uh, at Nerd Goat Pod on uh, Twitter and the greatest pod on Instagram. Do all that jazz. I would love to see a werewolf in space. My final thoughts on this episode are 
werewolf in space because the moon never goes down is a genius idea. And I know it's probably been done on some kind of schlock somewhere between now and infinity, but I would love to explore that. That's fucking interesting. Dude, werewolf on a train on the moon. Yes. <laughs> it's a near future in which the moon has been colonized for mining. So there's not a ton of people and the infrastructure is still iffy. So it's like, you don't have space Marines that could come and solve the problem. It's just a bunch of working class stiffs, you know, in a colony of maybe like two, 300 people. And one of them happens to be a fucking werewolf. Yeah, baby. Uh, Hollywood, pull up, baby. Pull up on us. Pull up we'll on be, us, Hollywood. We'll be here all day. We'll be here all day, all week, all year, even. <laughs> so, uh, I, why don't you go ahead and take us out, Bill? Thank you for listening to another episode of The Greatest Pod. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>